What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the first ever episode of the Getting Saucy Pod, hosted by, well, one of three people, me, Nolan. Uh, we're really, really excited to get this going. We've been fired up and talking about this for a long time. It's been a passion of ours. And so, uh, without further ado, let me send it on over to one of the hosts, uh, Nikki B, Nick Belanger. How's everything going, man? How's it going, guys? I'm super fired up. As Nolan said, we're super passionate about hockey. We've been playing together for a while now, and we just wanted to get this going. And again, just super excited to kind of share our opinions, and I hope you guys like it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And then I'll send it on over to our third co-host, uh, known known as Sis or Alex. How's everything going, dude? Good, man. I'm ready to get underway here. I'm excited. Yeah, man. Me too. I'm really excited to get this going. Uh, the way we're going to be running this podcast, you know, I'll just do a quick rundown. We've got a few different segments here. The first one, we're just going to be talking about some general news that's recent in, uh, in the NHL. Uh, we're going to have a segment called Hardware Watch, where we talk about a different trophy and who we think is uh, you know, leading in the league, maybe a couple debates there. We're going to be talking about some hot teams and some cold teams. Uh, we'll quickly run through our playoff picks, and then we're going to do a segment called This or That, uh, where we debate between two players that obviously are similar in skill level. Uh, and then our final segments, just a quick little rundown on a couple picks we have um, for gambling purposes. So without further ado, we're going to start off with some hockey news, um, some really big news, obviously a little bit unfortunate. Tom Wilson laid a pretty bad hit in a game against Boston on uh, Brandon Carlo. He received a seven-game suspension uh, for that hit. I guess uh, I want to hear your thoughts, guys. What are we thinking, Alex? Yeah, I thought uh, seven games was a bit rough. Um, I do know Tom Wilson, repeat offender, so I can see where their logic comes from there. I thought um, just when he laid into the hit, it just how Carlo braced, he was going for the torso. He didn't jump. He didn't lay an elbow up or anything. He was. It honestly looked like he was going for the torso. And just the way Carlo braced, he ended up going through his arm and just hitting his head. And very unfortunate. Um, Carlo, hope he's okay. I know he spent the night in hospital, but he uh, recovered there. So all the best to Carlo. But I, I thought the suspension was a bit steep. Yeah, I mean, for me, the issue is not with the hit, it's with the player. You know, growing up, you know, you're playing contact hockey, and, you know, there was always a couple big guys on other teams that maybe, you know, had hit their growth spurt early or something. You got to watch out for them, right? And they're big hitters. You always got to keep your head up. But it's a different story, you know, a big hitter versus a dirty hitter, right? Like, got, like plays like that and guys like Wilson need to need to get the right punishment to get that stuff out of the game. Like, I should not be receiving a pass and, you know, I should be bracing myself for a big hit, but I should not be bracing myself to get, you know, hit to the head like that. So I don't love that, like, the seven games for me is a bit high for that hit. But given it's Wilson, I think it actually should have been a bit more because he's just been brutal with that in the past. And it's just, a, he's a very dirty player. I like him as a player, but very, very dirty. And I don't like that. Yeah, I mean... I... I, I love Tom Wilson as a player. I, he's a complete player. He can score. He can hit. He can fight. Um, you know, he stands up for himself whenever he makes those kind of plays. But, um, you know, any team would want him. But he's a fifth-time offender now. That's his fifth suspension. And, and I think one that to really note is the one he had on Sunquist there. He had a 20-game suspension, one of the longest in NHL history, for a hit that was hours late um, on, on a really vulnerable player in a preseason game, nonetheless. Not only that, Carlo left the game with an injury. Um I didn't like the hit. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was irresponsible. Maybe not intentional, but definitely irresponsible the way he laid that hit. Um, he didn't have any caution for Carlos' head, and uh, I think seven games is fair, especially if we're trying to set an example as the NHL is to try and get this out of the game. Yeah. Um, I also, since he didn't get a penalty on the play, I know that uh, definitely helps um, their decision making and making it a bit longer than maybe they should have. Um, but yeah, with the repeat offender, I can see where they're coming from. I, I just thought the whole hit, like, it was probably about a second of reaction time he had from when Carlo lowered his head, and he's going full speed. There's no way you can stop. It's, I, I just think the situation's really unfortunate. I hope Carlo's okay, but I, I, I don't think uh, seven games was the right decision. Yeah, fair enough. I, I thought there was a rule that if you didn't receive more than a minor penalty, your suspension couldn't be over five games. I don't know if that's me just talking or that that was a thing before but anyways um I wanted to talk quickly about Matthew Barzal I mean and the reason I guess we're tempted to talk about him is from that sick goal he scored against the dumpster fire as uh Nick Belanger would say the dumpster fire of Buffalo Sabres we'll get to later but that was a sick goal through the legs 
uh, beat the defender wide, made wrist line and look stupid, and, and a great finish. Um, this we'll get into it. I'll start off with Nick, see what he has to say about Barzal, but what a season he's having, eh? Yeah, you know what? Uh, part of my game has never been, I've never been a great skater, so watching him go is, I'm very, very jealous. He's an effortless skater, one of the best in the league, and that's how he can create players. Uh, he's a great possession guy. He can hold on to the puck because of that great speed and great bait. Yeah, great puck possession. And yeah, I mean, Barry Trotz has done a good job with uh, with him in uh, in New York. There, He doesn't put up, you know, crazy points, but he's definitely noticeable out there. And yeah, all in all, great player, great goal. And, and the Isles look great. We'll get to that later. Yeah, I think I think he's just an absolute highlight reel. Every It seems like every second game, he's got a goal where you're, you have to look twice, you have to rewatch it. And it's amazing. Uh, as you were touching on there about Barry Trotz, I think he really hasn't played that complete game. So his numbers won't stand out like uh, McDavid or anything like that. But uh, I think he's definitely up there in skill, and uh, that goal was ridiculous. He turned wrist to line, and he wasn't even there, and went through the legs, cutting across the net. I thought it was insane. I think it says a lot about his character, the way a player of that offensive skill buys into Barry Trotz's 200-foot game. You know, he's definitely a team guy. I think he's he's awesome in any locker room he'd play in. Any team would want that kid. He's I would say one of the more underrated guys in the league. I mean, he's almost a point per game this season, but you're right. says like, it's, it just seems like every other week, there's just some sick bars out goal on NHL's Instagram feed. I mean, he's at nine goals this season, which is pretty good. I'd say that's, he's on pace for a typical bars out season, but just some of the goals he scored are so silky to watch. It's actually insane. Um, so we're going to talk about some good news as well, though. Something that's been a long time coming here. Um, very, very fortunate to hear, uh, the St. Louis Blues are looking to get Tarasenko back in the next, uh, little bit. I mean, a, a pronounced goal scorer, a fantastic goal scorer, without a doubt, uh, has been for a few years, um, and, and a huge impact player for that team. And, um, I guess I'll send it over to Nick to get his thoughts on the Tarasenko returning. Yeah, you know what? Huge for St. Louis. Uh, for me, you know what? I, I've never loved Tarasenko. You know what? Like, I think he's just, uh, I don't know what to say. I just, I just, I watch him play sometimes. I mean, great release, great shot. I just think, to me, he relies a little bit on other line mates. Um, obviously, he has those in St. Louis, so he's really good. He's just, to me, he's a star player, but he hasn't got to that superstar level. Nothing against him. It's just, for me, I've just never been you know, the biggest, biggest fan like I am for other guys. And I could like, I'm probably, my take is probably terrible, you know, cause he's got, he's been like, you know, a 60, 70 point guy with 40 goals for how many years, but it's just what I think. But uh, I think huge for St. Louis that he's back. I mean, I think he's regardless, great player and a great addition for them. Yeah, I think uh, he definitely helps their squad out a lot. Um, they managed to stay in the playoff spots without him. So as long as they're in the hunt, He's coming back. He's He's got an incredible release. Um, and just him up the wing, uh, I think that provides a lot for St. Louis. And he, he buys into the system as well. He's a guy who wants to win. And he does the hardest thing in the game is score goals. So I think that's a big uh, addition for them to have back in the lineup. Yeah, I agree. I think Tarasenko, I mean, I agree he's not the, the, the superstar player in the NHL. But he's a huge piece of that team. Um, you know, a team that's already doing well without him. I think they're so excited to have him back. There's few players who can snap the puck. Uh, you know, I can think of like Kucherov or Ovechkin that can snap the puck like he can on the power play. Um, I think that's going to be huge uh, for the St. Louis Blues going forward, even though they're already sick. They they don't need any help. I am uh, really like their chances this year. Um, so let's hop over to Calgary. Um, we got another coach firing here. Okay, Julian, last week we got uh, – Calgary this week. What uh, what are we thinking here with the, the firing? I mean, they've been struggling for sure, without a doubt. I'm going to send this one over to Siz and see what he has to say. Yeah, no. Uh, Sens take another coach. The coach murders. Uh, he can't be losing to the Sens. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, I think a change in uh, coaching for them could be good. They, I believe they have the, the players there to get it done. I, I think they just need uh, – they're all pretty young. They need to be steered in the right direction. And maybe some of the little more uh, just uh, knowledge on winning and someone can bring that to the locker room. I think that would uh, massively help them. 
Yeah, I mean, as Nolan and Sis know, I'm a guy that I kind of, I don't like that kind of old, uh, you know, coach, you know, these, these are 40, you know, coaches just kind of getting recycled around teams. So I'm not a huge fan of the, the hiring. However, in Calgary's case, like Sis said, I think they do need somebody who knows how to win. Who's going to be hard on those young guys because I do think there's a bit of a culture problem there. I heard about a players only meeting where Matt Kachuk was kind of, you know, isolated because some of the guys weren't really too fond of his kind of go out there, you know, and just kind of like, it's like a, it's like a war for him, you know, and not kind of like a skill game. I, I don't know. I, I heard something about that. Um, I don't know. I like the hiring. I think they need to kind of just steer the ship in the right direction. I don't think he's going to do much for them on the ice. I more think it's going to be in a form of kind of the motivation, just like the culture there. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Sutter's a coach that's proven he can win. I mean, he went to the Game 7 of the Finals with, with I mean, funny enough, the Calgary Flames in 2004. But then he went on to win two Cups with the LA Kings. I mean, he's got a, a lot to bring to the uh, the Calgary Flames, in my opinion. I think uh, there's a – I agree there's something to be said about having a young coach, um, maybe more of a player's coach. But I think having that experience and that wisdom uh, can go a long way, especially with this team. You know, it's – I wouldn't call Calgary a young team anymore. They're a veteran team. They've got some playoff experience. I think they're just struggling, and I think um, Jeff Ward really lost the room um, in that team. So I think I think a new a new face is going to be good for them. Yeah, just to add on there, uh, like they won they won the West in the regular season a couple of seasons ago. They they have the pieces to be able to win. It's just they need to convert that into playoff success, and just without the experience and winning, they they really need to uh, figure that out. And uh, I think we'll move on to uh, one of the more sad stories of the week. Uh, we'd be remiss not to talk about it, but uh, Wayne Gretzky's father, Walter Gretzky, um, went by the name of the greatest hockey dad, um, has passed away at the age of 82, unfortunately, from Parkinson's. Um, you know, everything I've heard, not that I was super familiar with Walter Gretzky or we're a little young for even Gretzky's time, but uh, here he was. Super, super kind. He was really involved in the NHL community, really involved in, in um, Wayne's um, childhood hockey. And uh, you know, I heard a story that um, he has a bunch of Wayne Gretzky's memorabilia in his basement. And you'll see, uh, you know, hockey kids go by with the hockey dad or hockey mom. And, and it's kind of like a tourist spot for them. Um, and instead of, you know, just even even just waving and saying hi, which is a lot to do when, when it must happen quite often, he invites them in for tea. And uh, you know, tells some stories about uh, about his son Wayne, and so obviously, uh, rest in peace to Walter, and and really really sad news. I'll send it over to Nick. Yeah, for sure. As Nolan said, I mean, we're a bit young for Gretzky's era, but just uh, yeah, rest in peace. Apparently, from everything I've heard, just a great guy. So again, just rest in peace to him. Yeah, he was uh, he was always putting on charity golf events in the summer with Wayne and helping out with a, numerous different foundations. So. Uh, everything I've heard about him is positive, and uh, yeah, my dad actually had the chance to meet him at a Sens game. He met him there once, and he said he was just unbelievable, unbelievable guy. And yeah, it's just it's just a shame. All right, boys, let's uh, let's move on to some, I guess, not happier news, but a little more debate here. We're going to talk uh, into our second segment here about the hardware watch. Today, we're going to be talking about the Hart Trophy, um, one that's definitely up for debate. There's a few names I think you could throw in there. Uh, you know, Matthews, you could throw David in there. Um, Kane, if you want to throw him in there too. Um, I think we'll start off with Nick, see what you have to say. Who do you think's winning the Hart Trophy this year, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been saying this for a while. I'm not a huge fan of some of these awards. You know, it's like uh, the standards seem to change year by year. You know, um, Taylor Hall won it in 2018 when he didn't, uh, you know, have the most points just because he didn't really have much of a supporting cast. And then you have, you know, Dreisaitl winning it when he's got the best player in the world. You know, with him, obviously he was hurt for some of the year, but I still, you know, is it the guy that's, you know, has the most points and is seen as the most valuable to his team? Or is it, you know, the guy that brings his team into the playoffs? Uh, that being said, you know, if it's the Hall criteria, then you're looking at, you know, a guy like Patrick Kane, because he's just, you know, been incredible in Chicago and they're surprisingly, you know, holding on to a playoff spot right now. But if you're just looking at, you know, straight points and just dominance, then obviously you got to go for, you know, a McDavid or Matthews type. So I think that's definitely just, you know, they got to figure out their standards here. But uh, all three are just great guys and super deserving, even though I'm a hardcore Sens fan and would not like to see Matthews win it. 
Um, yeah, I think that's it's a fair point to to bring up Kane and the subjectivity in that award is is really annoying for you know a big hockey fan like us. But uh, my pick for this year, um, I'm going with the the, uh, the points side of it. I'm going with Connor McDavid. Um, I think you know as much as Chicago has been carried by Kane, Edmonton has not been a playoff team for a while. Other than if you consider the plan round, they have not been getting it done for the last few years and. They're in a playoff spot right now. They're, they're playing pretty well. And, and McDavid right now is on pace on an 82-game season for 135 points, which hasn't been done in, in well over a decade. I mean, when Kucherov had 128, it was it was absolutely incredible. And obviously, he's not going to reach that this year with the shortened season. But, you know, I think when someone's doing something that unheard of in, in, in 2021, in today's era of hockey, where there's this much skill and, and such uh, quality goaltending, I think that's something to be said. And so uh, for me, it's McDavid. Yeah, personally, I got Kane. Um, just everything about Kane's game this year, he's, he's second in the league in points, which I thought was pretty absurd. And he's the only player in the top six that's not in the North Division. So you got your McDavid's and Settles probably feeding off the Sens, Vancouver, lesser defensive teams. Whereas Kane's playing in a harder division with Tampa in the Central with Tampa, Carolina, uh, Dallas, Florida. So I think, yeah, if you just look at his supporting cast as well, it's it's a team that... There's no real notable players like Kubalik's coming up, um, but uh, they lost Taves. Um, I just think without Patty Kane on that squad, there's no way they're even close to the playoffs. And uh, to me, the hard, most valuable if you if you take them off your squad, it it should be the biggest difference. And we've seen with Edmonton where McDavid was off the squad and Drysaddle still carried them to the playoffs. So I think uh, that has, there has to be something said for Patty Kane there. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I guess again, like like when Nick said, it comes down to what you rank that award as most valuable to your team. I think is if that's the way they're ranking the award, which is what the quote unquote award is for, then you really have a debate. I think between Kane and McDavid, you're definitely right there. Um, we're gonna swing it on over to some hot teams in the league. I think we'll start off with the Florida Panthers, who've been pretty solid over the last few weeks. I'm a bit of a surprise team, you know, somebody who's a team that tends to struggle is, is, is getting it done this year. And so I think we'll start off with Alex. Yeah. So Florida with a staggering 15, five and four record as of a uh, time of recording here, they're in third place in their, in their division only behind Tampa and Carolina. So that's to be, that's something uh, pretty good for them. Um, and what I really like about them, I really like their decor. It's uh Ekblad, Uyghur, uh, Yandel and uh, Strawman there. I think Strawman's a big addition for them having a lot of uh, playoff experience there. Um, but yeah, uh, two-time Vesna winner and Bobrovsky in that as well. The, the big thing for me is they don't have that playoff experience, and uh, like you can you can win these regular season games, but it's about getting it done in the playoffs, and it, it'll be uh, interesting to see. Uh, but their, their forwards are clicking really well as well. You got Barkov, uh, Huberto, Verhage, and Hornquist all uh, playing very well to start the season. Another guy for them would be uh, Duclair too, if he got back to even half of his form as an All Star for the Sens. Uh, that would be huge for them. But, uh, yeah, just, just no playoff experience for me. I, I don't know what it'll do for their team here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they're playing fantastic to start off the season. There's no doubt about that. They're in the playoffs. They're, they're looking strong. Um, I'm a little questionable about that goaltending. Um, I don't know if it's going to hold up. I mean, Bobrovsky hasn't shown any sides of greatness. I mean, to me, that's one of the worst contracts in the league. I really don't think he's going to live up to that. But on a brighter note for that team, I agree with you with Verhage. That kid is sick. He's up and coming. He's going to be a stud. Um, I think it's safe to say now, alongside Barkov, they have two superstars in the league. Uh, I think Jonathan Huberto has really solidified himself as one of the best players in the National Hockey League. It's his second year doing what he's doing. He's putting up incredible numbers. And, uh, yeah, they're finding a way to piece this thing together. Uh, like you said, they have that veteran, the, you know, that veteran back end. Um, you know, I, I really like Strawman. I think he's been an underrated player in this league for a long time. Uh, Ekblad and Yandel are getting it done as well. Yeah, no, I think Florida, I mean, I, I think they're looking good. I mean, uh, just two points on them. I mean, I love what their GM did with those kind of low-risk, high-reward signings. You know, Wenberg's been solid for them. Obviously, Duclair has been just okay, but he can be better. Uh, Verhage, you know, they're kind of low-risk, high-reward signing. So they've obviously been paying dividends. They don't cost a lot against the cap. It's only for, you know, one or two years, not the, not that much risk there. And I think another big thing that they did that a lot of teams are realizing is really important in today's, you know, NHL is 
they split up Huberto and Barkov from last year. You know, they were really reliant on that that Huberto, Barkov, Dadnoff line to get a lot of their goals. Uh, but this year, you know, they have Huberto, Barkov on separate lines, I believe, and that's really paying dividends for them as that just increases their depth. You know, it just lets their third and fourth line have better skill guys and let Huberto and Barkov carry each of those first two lines, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we're going to head it on over to the Vegas Golden Knights here. Another team that, I mean, is it really any surprise that they're doing this well? They're, they've been good for so long since they entered the league. They've just been so consistent to everybody's surprise being an expansion team. But, you know, in a division that has St. Louis Blues, it's got a very hot Minnesota Wild, uh, and it's got the Colorado Avalanche. You see the Golden Knights still dominating. They have the best uh, last 10 games record in the league at 8-2. and two. They're on a six-game win streak. And how about Marc-Andre Fleury? Eh? He's playing some of the best hockey of his entire career. Um, the age of 36, nonetheless. I'm going to send this one over to Nick. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm, I've been a big fan of Vegas' team. They just have so many good players. Uh, George McPhee has just done an incredible job building that team. It's almost embarrassing for the rest of the league how good he's done there. Uh, obviously, Mark Stone, incredible leader, incredible guy. Uh, he's tearing it up. He had a five-assist game last week, which uh, was pretty incredible. Yeah, nothing nothing but good things to say about that team. They're, they're my Stanley Cup pick for sure. I mean, having two elite goalies like they do. I mean, Leonard's hurt right now, but uh, all in all, I think they're a great team, and they're they're kind of my early Stanley Cup pick right now. Yeah, no, I definitely like Vegas as well. Uh, Peter DeBoer has been playing a great defensive game, and as Nolan touched on, Fleury, like, still able to put up those career numbers is crazy to me, having won, won a cup and been able to do all that in Pittsburgh and still being able to put those numbers up today is... Uh, pretty insane um but uh yeah uh i i do like their depth up front uh the only thing for me is up the center they don't really have any uh big names up the middle um that could maybe play dividend for them in the playoffs i'm not 100 percent sure there but yeah just a center center for me uh, yeah as, as nolan would say they got a best name in hockey alert there alex tuck Great name, great player. I missed him. I missed him by like an hour in fantasy, and I was very, very disappointed in that. <laughs> that kid's sick. Alex Tuck's sick. Like the depth they have on that team, I think Tuck's playing third line right now, which just like he's sick. It, it, like for a third line player, that's ridiculous. I mean, you, like the moves they've made to make that team what it is now, like that Petrangelo pickup, and they traded for Robin Leonard, um, or uh, the, the Mark Stone pickup, uh, Pacioretty, like. Just some of the names. Um, they had Paul Statsny for a while. They might still. He went back to Winnipeg, I think. But um, he, either way, like the the depth they have on that team, the moves they've made since they came into the league, and the way they fleeced the entire NHL in that expansion draft is just sick. Love to see them succeed. Um, another team Absolutely. that's been killing it. We touched on it a little bit earlier um, when we talked about Barzal, but the team as a whole, the New York Islanders, playing fantastic this year. Um, you know, especially recently, they've five game win streak, seven, two and one, their last 10, uh, and they're beating some, some good opponents. I mean, they're beating the Washingtons, they're beating the Boston's, um, I'll send this one over to, uh, Sizz. Yeah, no, in, uh, in my opinion, that's the, uh, probably the toughest division in the league and the Islanders, they have no easy games there. Uh, I guess the Buffalo Sabres, but other than Buffalo, there's no real easy games there and they've been managing to be good opponents on a night in night out basis. And I just think it goes to show how Barry Trotz has them playing that full 200-foot game so well. Just that get the lead, play with the lead properly. Um, just kind of kill time. It's not the most exciting hockey to watch. And you have players like Barzal scoring some nice goals here and there. But overall, they're all buying into the defensive system. And it's it's really showing its worth there. Yeah, you know, a great team. I mean, their their cap situation, I don't know how they got under the cap this year. Uh, incredible kind of a balancing act. I mean, from a GM standpoint, I don't, like I'm looking at their cap friendly and I'm thinking, man, they got some pretty, you know, overpaid guys. But they're all in and they have the most incredible depth in the league. I'm just I'm just looking at these players and I'm like, they're bottom six. You know, they got Clutterbuck, Zizekas, Komarov, Bovillier, Matt Martin, Ross Johnson, Oliver Wallstrom, like, there's not really any bad players on that team. And they have a solid D, solid goaltending. Sorokin looks great. I just picked him up in fantasy, so I'm hoping the Isles keep it up. But yeah, just the best depth in the league. I think they're locking on the star power, so that might beat them, just like Tampa did uh, in the uh, conference final last year. But still, very deep team, great coaching. And, you know, 
it's nice to see teams like that uh, do well. You know, they're just like a lot of guys, just a group effort. It's nice to see. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys basically nailed it. We're so structurally sound under trots. I mean, they don't have the most skill in the league. They got some star star centermen. Um, you know, you have Mar- Matt Barzal, uh, JG Pajot there too. Um, you know, Eberle's getting it done. I mean, they're, they're, they got the depth. No real star power. That's a bit of an insult to Bar- Barzal, but they're getting it done by committee and they're getting it done by their structure. And so uh, seeing a team succeed like that, it just shows you the power of coaching and, and what, what a coach can really do to a hockey team. Um, we're going to send it over to, I think, Nick's, what he's most excited to talk about on this podcast today. He wants <laughs> oh, yeah. to talk about, I'll, I'll let you take it away. You go ahead. Oh man, guys, as Nolan said, the dumpster fire that is the Buffalo Sabres. I like to think of myself as an armchair GM here and, Wow, like I, I look at their their contracts and they're cap friendly, and I'm just like, wow, that is a that's a rough looking team, you know. And I think uh, it's all rooted, you know, the coaching, the the lack of winning culture there, and it's kind of forced them to sign these these contracts, like the Aposos, the Skinners, uh, the Colin Millers. So they're in cap hell. They're not doing all that well. Eichel might be on his way out. And I mean, I'm looking at like some of their draft picks, you know, I mean, Sam Reinhardt, second overall pick, he was supposed to be their number one center. He's a kind of, you know, he's a, he's a winger now supported by, you know, Eichel a lot, uh, middle stats, not looking too hot, you know, even going back further, like Mark Pissick, you know, they've had a lot of top 10 picks. They just haven't been able to figure out. So I think there's definitely just this lack of winning culture there. I really hope for the sake of, you know, them that maybe Cousins or Quinn can come in and help them out. But with that Skinner contract, if he can't turn it around, like, I don't know what they can do. I mean, that $9 million is going to hamper them forever. So, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm rambling on there, boys. I'm just a little passionate about the, how bad the Buffalo Sabres are. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, where do you even begin with this team? I just feel like they've been bad for so long. Like they've been bad forever. They've been they've been bad since they were good, and they were good when the Sens went to the Stanley Cup Finals. They just like, oh, uh, uh, Reinhardt's going to save the day. Middlestad's going to save the day. Even Jack Eichel can't save the day, and he's putting up ninety points a season. Like who? Like when? Is, when are they going to get it together? That it's a culture problem. It's it's a locker room problem for this team. And to stop blaming all these players. I mean, the one bright spot I'll say this season is Dylan Cousins. I think he's a stud. I loved watching him in the World Juniors. Good Canadian boy, but like. Guys, you have, you have Rasmus Dahlin, one of the most promising young defensemen in the league. You have Reinhardt, Skinner, who has one point in 14 games. You have Taylor Hall. I believe he's got two goals. I think Jack Eichel has two goals. They have five goals between Skinner, Taylor Hall, and Jack Eichel. Um, they're just not getting it done. I don't understand. Like, why are they still bad? Like, you just is, – is it at the point now where you just blow this whole team up? Like, you're seeing rumors of Eichel being traded now. It's At this point, it's like – what do you even do with this team? They just cannot get it together. Yeah, kind of like Nolan was touched on there. It's just every season you have so much optimism for that team when they're picking up guys like Taylor Hall, uh, past Hart Trophy winner. He can certainly score goals, and you think that's what the Buffalo Sabres needed, and then he he shows up and has, what, two goals on the season? It's just not good enough from him. Um, But, yeah, just all the, all their young promise. I think they need to make a big trade, and I think they need to trade Eichel just to switch up the culture there. Um, I, I don't, something's not working. Maybe they need a new coach who knows how to win and can, uh, install that winning mentality maybe. But for me, it's just, it's gotta be a switch up of the the personnel there. I think they need a, a big switch up with Eichel. Yeah. You guys hit it right on the nose. I mean, other, like, I mean, I, I just can't think of anything else. I mean, the only thing that, I mean, you could, it's tough to find a root cause, but I think it's definitely culture. And I think you can put some of the blame, not the blame per se, I don't like to blame the goalies, but they really haven't had consistent and good goaltending since Ryan Miller, since, you know, they had Vanek, Pominville, and Derek Roy that would just come into Ottawa and just put up like three <laughs> points each and nightmare fuel there. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough for them. And I, I hope they figure it out for the sake of just the NHL and just kind of, you know, that's it's how the league works, right? You have these down, down swings and you kind of get good draft picks and you have the upswing, but they've just been the downswing for the past 10 years now, if not more. So anyways... Uh, we can continue there. I know a Sizz wanted to chat about uh, Montreal. Yeah, no, uh, the Habs in a recent struggle off after a very, uh, very great start. Um, it's a team that I think will figure it out. I, they have those veterans. They have the Webers, the Prices. Like 
the guys that have been through this stuff before. Um, but the firing of Claude Julian was a big move for them. I was I was pretty surprised with that. Um, at the time of recording, they're eleven six and six, which is good for fourth in the North Division. Um, and the teams below them are lackluster teams. It's the Calgarys, the Ottawa's, and the Vancouver's. It's not much to be that proud about. Uh, I think they should definitely be second or first with the team they have. Tremendous depth. Um, but I, I do love their uh, their back end and goaltending. I, I'd say that it's uh, the best back end in the league when, when combining defense and goaltending. Uh, you got Edmondson, who I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. He was huge for St. Louis in their cup run. And uh, he, uh, last week he was tied with Mitch Marner for the best plus minus in the league. So I think that has a lot. To, that has to, a lot to go uh, to show about their uh, defensive game, and then obviously Petrie uh, off to a Norris type start. Uh, he was leading their league in points or leading their team in points. Sorry, uh, last time I checked, which is uh, huge for them. But that kind of goes to show their struggles up front. You know, when they have all their defense uh, getting all the points, like you need your offense to start contributing. Yeah, that's a great point. I think you kind of nailed it. Like, there's there's definitely a lot of bright spots in this team, even though they're struggling right now. Um, you know, I think Jake Allen's a bright spot. I think Romanov's a bright spot. Petrie's a bright spot. Um, but but it seems like their struggles are coming from their offense. Um, you know, they had a hot start with Toffoli and Anderson was getting it done. That's great, but it fizzled out too quick. It just seems like they've they've lost that that uh, connection they all kind of had. They, they were, it, it looked so easy for them to score to start off the season. Their power play was clicking and it just doesn't, it seems like they're frustrated. And I, I do agree with you. I think they're going to find their game again. Is that going to be in time to keep them a playoff spot? I don't know. I guess we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think they'll find their game again. I'm not overly worried, but I think the coaching change might've been good. Yeah, as, as Nolan said, I mean, yeah, I think they will find their game. Uh, for, for me, I think the coaching change is going to be big, but I think the, the new coach really has to instill a defensive system. I mean, like, I really look at I look at the aisles, and I look at them, and I'm looking, okay, the forwards, you know, pretty close. I actually think Montreal could have more skill. The back end, you know, Montreal clearly has a better blue line than the aisles. I mean, not not to, you know, not, nothing against, you know, you know Pollock, uh, Letty, you know, Pellick, great players, but Montreal's blue line is elite. And then obviously Montreal has the great goaltending. And I think they have to win more games like this, you know, these 3-1, these 2-1, these 3-2 games, like the Isles. I think they just have to play this defensive structure and kind of work what they have, right? Yeah, we're playing a game. Who can See how many emails we can get in the time we're recording this. <laughs> um, we're going to send it over to another struggling team. We talked briefly about it during the, uh, the firing of Jeff Ward. But the Calgary Flames, uh, a team that – I think anybody would assume would be a shoe in for the playoffs uh, come start of the season is uh, struggling to say the least. Um, you know, they're losing to the Ottawa's they're losing the battle of Alberta uh, games that they should be at least competitive in, if not winning. And they're losing them pretty handily five, one to the Canucks. I see here seven, one to the Oilers and six, one to the Sens. not too far back. It's, it's, it's rough in Calgary right now. And, I don't know. I guess Nick was touching on maybe it's a cult, culture thing and they had a team uh, players only meeting to chirp Kachuk or whatever. I personally don't think Kachuk's a problem on that team. I think he's actually a bright spot for that team right now. But I, I mean, who knows what goes on behind closed doors. So I'll send this one over to Sis. Yeah, I think the, uh, the fire of the coach, I think that was uh, only a matter of time there. Um, but the big thing for me is uh, the goaltending it hasn't been great. And I think, uh, they really got to get that sorted out with David Riddick and uh, Markstrom there. Uh, Markstrom was a goalie who showed a lot of promise last year in uh, Vancouver, and they really they really went out of their way to get him. Um, you, you'd like to see a little more there. Um, their back end also hasn't been great, and I'd like to see Giordano kind of step up and uh, show some of the guy, these guys the ropes and hopefully uh, get them back to winning. Uh, no one likes to see them down there with all the potential they have up front and all their star power. Um, Nick, over to you. What do you got there? Yeah, you know what? Nothing really new. I mean, I just, uh, you know what? I think they have a good team. You know, I like Rasmus Anderson back there. I think Hannafin's pretty solid. I think I think it's just a matter of time for them to turn it around. Uh, I do think Gaudreau and Monaghan are, are just a tad overrated. They've been good in the past, but I think they're they're actually just, to me, getting worse and worse by the season. When I watch games, I mean, they played Ottawa recently. I, I don't find them all that noticeable. I notice Kachuk a lot more, as Nolan said. I think he's a bright spot there, even though maybe there's a culture issue. 
I think they will turn it around. Like, I think Markstrom, you know, he's too good a goalie to just keep playing, you know, lackluster. But, uh, yeah, I think they have the team. Hopefully the coach can just, you know, get them going. And uh, hopefully Daryl Sutter can do that for them. Yeah, I mean, isn't it a great way to sum up Calgary's season to talk about that Giordano back check? Where he had the stick and his skates. You guys see that? Yeah. Oh, my God. So watching the Ottawa game last night. A big one for the boys. Go Ottawa. But, oh, man. That's so unfortunate. One of the best defenders in the league is trying to skate. Fact check a breakaway. He's got a stick in his skates. Oh, man. Yeah, just to top on, uh, add on that is uh, big save Dave. And that looks like no save Dave when uh, Brandstrom scoring from the blue line. Or center <laughs> ice almost. No, but honestly, if you watched that game last night, like, how many breakaways did Ottawa have? Like, five? I think they had, oh. like, Tierney had one. Kuchuk, like, Tierney would have had two. Kachuk had one. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, their odd man rushes. I saw two on ones. I saw at least one three on one. I don't know what what's wrong structurally on that team. I guess they have an interim head coach right now. But it's got to be something structurally for me. Their team is too good to be this bad. As long as you're giving up breakaways to Connor Brown and Chris Tierney, you're, you're good, man. I swear to God, they must have the most expected goals per <laughs> based on where they shoot from. But, man, they just cannot bury it for anything on the breakaway. It's brutal. Yeah, Matherson, McDavid like speed, though. <laughs> oh, oh I love that. I think he's a stud. Matherson, like, I think he's the, the second coming of Stone. I think his hockey sense is off the charts. Anyways, I don't want to get too much into Ottawa there. We're on, uh, on Calgary. on the Mark Stone. That is sense wise. <laughs> that is quite a quite a comparison. Yeah. Anyways, we're gonna hop into the next segment. We're gonna talk about some playoff picks. Uh some picks are, uh what we think the uh the playoffs are gonna look like come season end. Let's start off with the north. Um I'll send it over to Sis. We'll try and run through these a little bit quicker. Yeah, so I got uh I got the Leafs <laughs> I got the Leafs, Oilers, Habs, and Jets in no particular order there. Um, those are the four current playoffs teams. I just think they're the best teams in the division uh, when comparing to Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa. Um, so, yeah, I just believe those four get in. What do you guys think about that? Um, yeah, originally I had the Flames getting in. Um, I'm taking that back. They suck. I'm keeping it. Uh, I think it's the order it's in now is the order it will finish with the uh, Leafs, followed by the Jets, followed by the Oilers, followed by the Habs. Um, the Leafs are sick just quickly to touch on them they're sick and the jets are surprising a ton of teams i mean i i didn't even have them making the playoffs this year and they're 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 proving me big time wrong they're playing really good yeah maybe i'll just make it interesting i'll disagree i mean watching the oilers like i think that they have the talent i just they're so inconsistent right i mean maybe that's going to be good enough in this shortened season but I actually think Calgary is going to figure it out and take out Edmonton. I don't think one, I don't think Edmonton's goaltending is good enough. I think everything is just going to correct its bat. You know, everything is going to fall into the average. Uh, Markstrom's going to figure it out, and Calgary's actually going to make it in over Edmonton. Fair enough. That's a hot take. I like it. Send it over to the West here. Uh, in my opinion, the strongest division. Um, you know, we got the Golden Knights leading. I think. I think they're getting in. <laughs> no doubt, the Golden Knights are going to be the Golden yeah, Knights are going to win. Handedly, I love the Golden Knights. They're sick. I stand. Uh, the Blues are getting in. They're a good hockey team. I do think they're going to be overtaken by the Avalanche. Um, you know, a lot of games at hand there. Uh, McKinnon's heating up. That that team's got really solid goaltending, and and I think they're going to get it done. Bennington to me has been a little shaky. I mean, we saw his freak out last week. He's been a little shaky, um, but I still think they'll finish third. I'm going to say, here's my hot take, the Kings are going to get in over the Wild. The veterans are getting it done on the Kings team. I know the Wild looks sick, no doubt. Kaprasov is nasty. Um, the Kings, to me, have that veteran presence. They have that that wisdom, that experience. I think that when it comes down to clutch time, they're going to find a way to squeeze in there in four. I got, um, instead of the Kings, I'm going to take the Wild. So the Wild, Avalanche, Blues, and Knights. Um, I just think the Wild... Uh, they play that analytical game, and they have an unreal defensive core. Um, I think they have enough to get it over the Kings because, like, how much, how long can Dustin Brown go? You know, he, he's he's not the type of guy to be putting up point a game for you. It's only a matter of time before he cools off, and I think a lot of their uh, the rest of the roster can't sustain this success. So I think the Wilds stay in. 
Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Sis. I, I think the Wilds stay in. Uh, yeah, the, again, the decor looks great. Uh, Capo Kakonen, I hope I'm saying his name right, is looks really good. I think he's basically overtaken Talbot for the number one there, which is not good for my fantasy team, but that's all right. Um, I do like Nolan's take about the Kings, though. I, I think that, uh, I mean, Quick is hurt, and as bad as it sounds, I hope he gets better. Cal Peterson is a stud. I was watching him, and he's a great young goalie, and I think he's going to be a great young goalie. Uh, he's up for grabs, I think, in the expansion draft because they got to protect quick. I think he'd be somebody that Seattle would be interested in. I'm sure we'll do a, a, a full Seattle mock there in the later podcast. But, uh, yeah, I think the Wild definitely stay in there. You think they protect quick in, that, in the expansion? Uh, he's got the no move, I think, though. I think oh, they have to. Exactly. Yeah. So they're going to have to do some – I'm like, look, I'm, I'm not sure there. I'm, I'm sure in a later podcast I'd love to do that. But it's a lot – man, it's tough to know who they have to protect, who they don't. We'd have to use cap friendlies uh, thing. Yeah, they have yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't know they had to protect, uh, protect quick there. That sucks. Uh, we'll send it over to the east. Um, we'll start this one off with Sizz. What do you got for us? In the East, I got uh, Washington, Boston, Philly, and Pitt. Um, I don't think the Islanders can keep it up. Um, I think Pittsburgh is really coming along here. Uh, they have that veteran presence with Sid and, and Malkin, and I find they always they always go on uh, heaters late in the season just to get in um, and then make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, Philly is a good good young team. They made a lot of noise last year, and I think with uh, I think Carter Hart's an absolute stud in net. And uh, just in front of them, they play really well. Uh, Boston, nothing needs to be said there. They're just a lock always. And then Washington playing really well this season. And Ovi's not even in full stride. If if he can really get going, they're a dangerous team. Yeah, I, I man, this this is, for me, a tough division to pick. I, I definitely think the Flyers are going to get in. Um, I think they will overtake Pittsburgh. I have a question mark on the Capitals. They're old. Um, they have the experience, but they, they recently are not looking like the Capitals they were early in the season. The Rangers have been really hot lately. I, I'm not going to say the Rangers get in, but I'm going to say keep an eye out to see Washington on the descent and New York uh, on the ascent. But uh, So I have right now, uh, I've got the Islanders, Capitals, Bruins, and the Flyers getting in, but keep an eye on the Capitals. Yeah, as Nolan said, it's definitely the toughest one to pick because, I mean, you could, I mean, any one of those five in the Isles, the Caps, the Bruins, the Pens, and the Flyers are, to me, are, you know, playoff teams any other year. But, you know, of course, this pandemic-shortened season, they're all in the same division, which I'm sure they hate. And then the teams like the Rangers, Devils, and Sabres are just sitting there like, you know, really? You're going to put us in this division? And those teams are all on the up-and-coming uh, kind of stride there. For me, I'm going to have to go uh, the Isles, the Caps, the Bruins, and the Flyers. I think the Pens, I don't know what it is. Their D uh, are just kind of big and slow. Uh, their goaltending hasn't been great. I, I, I do love Crosby and Malkin. They're just elite guys and, you know, incredible players. But I just don't think they can They can only carry them so far. I do like Nolan's point. The watch over the Capitals, Kuznetsov's been in a huge slump. So he's somebody to watch out for. Uh, you know, as somebody who, if he can't turn it out, uh, turn it around there, they're going to struggle a bit because he's a big part of that team. All right, let's send it on over to the the central to finish this off. Uh, I I mean, I love the Lightning, but I think they're uh, maybe Vegas and them best teams in the league. Um, the Lightning are getting in. There's no doubt in my mind. The Hurricanes are silently one of the best teams in the league this year. They're on a five game win streak, by the way. Just to just to throw that out there, they're playing really really well. Uh, I think they're getting in. I uh, we touched on the Panthers earlier. They're a hot team. I think they're falling out. They're five, three, and two in their last ten. That's good, but not great. Um, I I don't think they have consistency in net. I think they're uh, old on their back end, and I don't think they have enough star power up front to get it done. I think the Blackhawks are going to stay in. They're 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 getting it done by committee. Um, where the Panthers, I I don't know if they are, uh, and I think the Blue Jackets are going to sneak into that fourth spot. Uh, they're struggling right now, three, six, and one their last ten. But I think Torts can really swing that around. I mean, he's done it before. He always seems to find a way with a with a with a team that on paper doesn't have the the, the power to get into uh, to the playoffs. But it seems like he just finds a way. Send this one over to Nick. 
Yeah, you know, that, those are pretty good takes. You know what? I, it's tough for me. I think that's just going to stay how it is. You know, Lightning, Hurricanes, Panthers, Blackhawks, simply put. I mean, yeah, Columbus, I don't think just – they just don't have the talent, sadly, to do it. I think – I mean, I, I do love Torres, and I think I – well, no, not love, but, you know, I think he's a good coach, and I think he can definitely motivate the guys to, you know, get better. But the only team I could see maybe challenging is Dallas. They have a few games in hand, but even them, I mean, they're getting Bishop back, like, kind of soon, but they're just – I mean, without Sege, they just look a bit flat to me. And I think their fans are really, uh, it's really bugging their fans. You know what? Uh, <laughs> for a team to go to the cup final the year before and then be struggling the year after, it's it's tough. But uh, yeah, I think Lightning, Hurricanes, Panthers, Blackhawks, hold on there. Yeah, I got the same as Nick there. I got uh, Lightning, Panthers, uh, Hurricanes, and Blackhawks. Um, I don't think Columbus has enough to get in. Um, my hot take is that I think we'll see a coaching change there this year. I think they should be doing better, but um, with their current team, they are not getting it done. So I think we could see a coaching change there this year. Yeah, boys, just a quick thing, uh, like just super random. But I mean, so I was I was reading this uh, this this tweet the other day. The third longest tenured coach in the league is Jeff Blazehill in in Detroit. Couldn't believe that. Anyways, though that was kind of funny. I was like, really? I like, there's that, that many changes. Yeah, there's that many changes. I, th- I think, like, Maurice has been around for a while, and, like, I think John Cooper's been around for longer than that, and that's it. Like, it's just not so many changes there are. Anyways, sorry about the, the randomness there, but, but that was oh, funny. That's cool. Cool. cool stats. Um, so we're going to hop into uh, the this or that segment today. I think we have a, a more recent debate you've been, been starting to see online. Uh, we're going to talk about Dreisaitl versus McKinnon. Um, you know, both – uh, very high draft picks, one being first, one being third, playing for teams that uh, were struggling when they were drafted and have seemed to turn it around. Uh, let's start off with Alex on this one. Start off with Sis, see what he has to say. Yeah, I'm going to go with my guy Nate. I think uh, he's arguably second or third best player in the league uh, behind McKinnon, or behind uh, McDavid and Sid, however you put them. Um, I think he just had a slower start to his career there. Um, I just... Lately, the past few years, he's been absolutely tearing it up. Um, he's he's a proven playoff performer. Uh, he he, in my eyes, has the best contract in the league at six point five per year. Um, and yeah, I think I think uh, just everything about that guy, big game player, and uh, he's the guy I'd want to have on my team. Yeah, I kind of got the death spot here going dry style over over McKinnon. It's tough. They're so close, and I guess that's the point of this this or that, right? But. For me, I mean, the points just don't lie for Dreisaitl. I know he has the def- his defensive shortcomings, and a lot of his points are coming on the power play with with McDavid. But for me, I mean, McKinnon plays with two elite guys in Rantanen and Landis Cog, so I think that really helps his case. Don't get me wrong, nothing against him. He's a top three player in the league. But, I mean, Dreisaitl just, again, tearing it up this year, 110 points in 71 uh, games last year. Just, you know, incredible. So, for me, the fact is, I mean, he basically creates the line on his own. I mean, obviously, McKinnon really hasn't had the chance to do that. But uh, for me, it's just Dreisaitl just slightly just because, you know, he, he puts up a little more points and he's playing with, like, worse wingers when he doesn't play with McDavid, obviously, which I think is only on the power play in the odd, odd time late in the game. Yeah, um, this this one's tough. Uh, I'm going to say McKinnon. Um, I think I, I think behind McDavid it goes McKinnon, and then I think three is Drysaddle. I think it's that close. Um, um, I I don't even have a really good argument why. Like they're both well over a point a game. They both drive their lines. They're both sick on the power play. I guess the only thing I can say is playoff success um, definitely goes to McKinnon. He gets it done. Uh, he's been getting it done for a few years now. Last season was a breakout year for him on the in, in the playoffs. Uh, 25 points in 15 games is just it's ridiculous. It's almost two points a game. Um, I, I, don't, like, I don't have a better argument than that. It's, it's a really tough debate between the two of them. Um, I think they both are imperative for their teams to have any success. Um, I guess I just think McKinnon makes the players around him more better than Dreisaitl does. Yeah, and just just watching him is electrifying. Like in the playoffs, twenty as you said, twenty five points in fifteen games. That's it's pretty unreal pace. And they only lost to Dallas in seven games. You know, like that last game could have went either way, and they they could have been on their way to the Cup final. You know, that's a Dallas team that beat uh, Vegas after them. So incredible depth in that team. And uh, 
I, I can't wait to see them make some noise with uh, Bowen Byram too going forward. Do you, do you guys think if Colorado beats Dallas in game seven, they beat Tampa in the finals? Because to me, like Colorado's a better team than Dallas. Even even during, like they slumped in that that series, but even during those playoffs, they were a better team, in my opinion. Yeah, I, yeah, I think for, I me, for me, it's tough. Oh, sorry, go ahead. That was, that was like the first time that happened all night, boys. So I'm actually pretty fired up, you know. Other than the emails, other than uh, <laughs> that, there. Let's keep it rolling here. A lot <laughs> yeah, of emails seriously. coming in. Holy. Yeah, seriously. Everybody wants to. Everybody's like, "Yo, when's the first podcast coming out, boys?" <laughs> <laughs> but. but yeah, it's tough for me. I, I think that maybe uh, Dallas squeaked it out. I mean, they had elite goaltending in the playoffs uh, versus, you know, Grubauer's a great goalie. I don't know if he's a superstar goalie, you know, like, you know, Hudobin and, and Bishop are. Uh, but, yeah, I still don't think Dallas uh, – uh, sorry, Colorado beats uh, Tampa. Tampa, you know, the top two lines were pretty even in terms of star power, in terms of impact. But then Tampa just went out and got – I mean, they spent a lot of – like a lot, you know, like foot – uh, you know, some first rounders to get, you know, guys like Barclay Goodrow, Yanni Gord, uh, not Yanni Gord, sorry, um, Blake Coleman, just great guys that, you know, they didn't really need to get, but they're like, you know what, we have, we have the capital. So let's just go out and get these guys that could be second liners than any other team, put them on our third line and just, you know, just destroy everybody. So I think the depth would be, that would have been a difference between uh, Tampa and Colorado there. Oh, fair enough. Uh, final segment here. We're going to talk about just some some gambling picks. Uh, me and me and Sis are pretty avid gamblers. Probably do it too often. Um, and Nick <laughs> likes to chime in on some of our picks. So I'll just start us off with um, Tuesday, March 9th. <laughs> pretty obvious game, but the Lightning are playing the Red Wings. Um, I, I like the puck line in that game minus one and a half. I think they'll get it done. Um, and then the following night, the March 10th, the Wednesday. Golden Knights are playing the Wild. The Wild are hot, so I think there'll be good juice on the Golden Knights. So take the Golden Knights, especially if Flurry is starting. I really like the Golden Knights in that game. Uh, yeah, so my picks are for today, March 8th. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, Sens and Oilers over six and a half goals. I think it's an absolute shootout. Um, and then another game I really like is the the Habs to go uh, beat the Canucks. I think uh, the Habs are going to find their stride here, and I really like them to win that game. Yeah, I, I like both the picks, boys. And you know what? Uh, I know a lot of people made a lot of money early on in the Sens. Just you got to go, you got to go on the over, and you know the Sens lose, and then you're usually making a lot of money there because they're losing every game like seven <laughs> one. So I like that pick of the over versus uh, Ottawa and Edmonton tonight. There, uh, yeah, obviously safe pick there with the with the Golden Knights too. Uh, I definitely like you know doing parlays with good teams against bad teams. I think it's a good way to kind of just. You know, sometimes you don't get the right return on, uh, you know, these solo games. But then when you parlay them, uh, you know, you get some better returns. It's good. Yeah, I love I love Sizz's pick for, for tonight for a podcast that's dropping tomorrow. Yeah, let him know. <laughs> let him, just so they know you're right, eh? Showing the early results, they'll be listening, checking the scores. Holy shit, this guy's a wizard. Yeah. Unreal, no, boys. It's like those sites, you know, like the, they're like, yeah, you know, people that have bet with us, you know, they've started with a thousand, now they're at two hundred and ten thousand dollars on UFC picks. I'm like, okay, like surely that's not true. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, unless we have anything else to say, uh, that'll wrap up our first podcast here on Getting Saucy Pod. Awesome time with you guys. Love the hot takes, and uh, I will see you all again soon. We uh, plug the IG. Oh yeah, Getting Saucy Pod. Was it getting saucy pod? Yeah, getting saucy pod, all one word. At getting saucy pod, all one word, no G yeah. in getting. Uh, yeah, we're gonna post on there. Highlights on the pod, <laughs> and uh, just some hockey highlights as well. Just keep you up to date with the news from there, and then uh, tune in on the pod as well. All right, boys, this has been fun, um, and I will see you guys all soon.